What's going on everyone? Walking outside on this beautiful, beautiful Thursday. Uh, so happy that, you know, the weather is finally turning around here and spring's around the corner. Um, but on this episode, I had my, uh, you know, long, uh, I guess, former uh, Sergeant head coach and long-term friend here, Dennis Stanton, on the, on the podcast. Dennis played overseas basketball for 40, four years, I believe he said, and had a successful All-American career at Ursinus. And he, you know, also had a very successful career coaching at Saraton and being an assistant coach at Ursinus College. Um, and I'm really excited for him to kind of break down his story, his journey. And the, the roadblock that he overcame was pretty insane. Uh, and, and kudos to him for continuing to fight through and have that support system to keep him level-headed, which I, I can't harp enough on how, how important that is to have uh, and, and, you know, have people in your back corner to continue to push you towards your dreams and your goals, no matter how hard it gets. Uh, but, you know, that's, let's just jump into it. Can't, really can't wait for you guys to hear what he has to say. Really nice guy. Uh, if, if, you're, if you're a parent looking for your kid to go to a certain basketball camp, highly suggest looking into Dennis Stanton stuff. Um, again, his camp's really fun, and, I, and I've heard nothing but great things about it from my friends who work at the camp. So without further ado, let's jump into it, and I hope you guys really enjoy this episode. Hey, hey man, you there? Can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Hey, man, yeah, you sound great. Oh, nice, nice. This is crazy. This is a yeah. very cool app. Yeah, this app is – I found it, and what they do is, like, you can create a podcast, and then they create all the channels for your podcast on all the other platforms like Apple, Apple, Spotify, you know, all the other podcast channels. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. So I have you on speaker. <laughs> That's going to be okay with the recording? Yeah. Yeah, man, of course. I just gotcha. kind of wanted you to introduce yourself, kind of what you're doing, Um you know, I know you do a lot of training and camps and stuff. And then uh, after you're done kind of talking about that, I was just going to kind of just pick your brain, how you how you came about on this journey, why you decided to, you know, do this, how you started doing this, and then any roadblocks that you face along the along the ride here. Awesome. Awesome. Sound good? Sounds so go ahead, man. Yeah, take two. So it's all yours. Awesome. <laughs> uh, first and foremost, thanks for having me on here. Uh, it's a pleasure to be Anytime, on here. man. Uh, and for the listeners out there who don't know, um, the host, A.J. Picard, uh, was and is a great basketball player, and that's kind of how we're connected. Um, <laughs> Thanks, man. Currently serving as athletic director at Saturnary High School, where A.J. was one of the best players ever to come out of the school. Um, so this is really cool to be on this podcast. Um, as far Thanks as coming my, on board, man. Yeah, man. Um, as far as my own experiences and personal experiences, I uh, went to school locally at LaSalle High School and then went to or sinus college uh, and basketball has kind of been an interwoven fabric into my uh, personal life, both in high school and in college. Uh, and then parlayed that into a, a four year professional career overseas where I played in Denmark, Poland, Italy, and Spain, uh, which was an awesome experience. And uh, during that time, I w- you know, they were mostly 10 month contracts. So I'd come back in the summer and uh, my job, my one job was that I was, you know, I started running basketball camps and the first summer I ever mm-hmm. did, it was the summer after I graduated from college. And, uh, I'll never forget. It was, it was early June and I had a graduation party and my friend said, you should run a basketball camp, you know, and the next <laughs> day I called or sinus college. I called the athletic director. His name was Brian Thomas at the time. And I said, Hey, I would love to run a basketball camp. He said, sure, let's do it. 
And, um, you know, we had 50 kids at the camp and it was the, you know, it's just, I remember just feeling like this is really fun. Um, this mm-hmm. is something that I would like to do more of. And, um, so each and every summer I'd come back and we'd run two weeks and then we'd run three weeks and four weeks. You know, that was kind of my job when I would come back in the summers and, um, we've just expanded and grown each and every summer. And, you know, last summer we had, uh, nine weeks of camp and we were blessed. Wow. Very fortunate. We had 1800 kids in our program. So, wow. Congrats, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, so that's been like the staple of my kind of professional career life has been, you know, those camps, you know, after I got done playing professional basketball, I got into teaching uh, where I student taught at Perkham Valley High School and I served as a uh, assistant basketball coach. And then the very next year, I got the head job, head boys basketball coach at Souderton and I was teaching English. Um, so I had very little experience coaching basketball, but I, I took over for a great coach in Perry Engard and he had a great program going. So we had a bunch of really good players, uh, but they were also just really good young men like Mark Wonderling, Ryan right. Connolly, yeah. Luke Moyer. Like most uh, teams don't have that um, many solid players uh, on a roster. Right. So we were really lucky. I did that for two years and I loved it, but I found myself doing a ton of basketball and really loving the coaching piece of basketball. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I like teaching for the relationships, but I wasn't enthralled with English and literature. And, you know, I wasn't really excited about Romeo and Juliet. So, um, right. <laughs> so I left Souderton and went back to her sinus and was an assistant coach. And I taught there as well in their exercise nice. sports science department, um, which was a, was a great time. And I had a lot of fun, but I kind of saw the writing on the wall with uh, with coaching. You know, I was an assistant D3 head coach at age 30. Um, yep. and it's tough. And, you know, I probably could have done that for another five to seven years before I get a, a D three head coaching job. Um, yep. and I just didn't really have the patience for it. And, uh, I love the work and I love the craft. I just didn't have the, the long-term patience for that vision. So I was there, was there anything there. in particular, was there anything in particular that just hit you and you were like, yeah, I gotta leave. You know, I yeah. Leave so here. it wasn't like, it wasn't like an aha moment, but, um, just, uh, the recruiting piece and networking and, and meeting different coaches and kind of picking their brains and seeing their journeys, um, you know, and why certain people got jobs and didn't get jobs. And, you know, I, I really wanted to, to kind of control my own destiny a little bit more right. um, than, than what was going on in, in the space of college basketball. Um, you know, with all due respect, I, I would, I still to this day would love to be a, a college basketball coach. Um, but, you know, I think I got started a little bit too late at age 30. I had a young kid at the time. And right. um, so part of it was, you know, you're working nights and weekends a lot. And, you know, that's when your family's home, nights and weekends. Um, yep. So that part was really where the rubber met the road. And, um, you know, so I resigned there and I just did my business for a full year, just all training. Um, mm-hmm. you know, every single day I would train from 4 PM to 9 PM every single day. And I watched my kid during the day and, um, and I loved it. You know, I would do workouts from four to five, five to six, six to seven, seven to eight, eight to nine. You know, I was training a hundred kids a week and, wow. but I was, you know, it, I was in the same place that I was as a college coach. You know, I was working when people weren't. So when you're in a right. service industry like that, you're working when people aren't, you're working from four to 10, you're working every Saturday, Sunday. And mm-hmm. um, as much as I loved it and I love the grind and I love working with kids again, you know, I, I had to make a choice uh, to find, to try to find something more stable that would work with a family. Um, 
you know, so that athletic director job opened up at Souderton. I had a good relationship with the principal, Dr. Verano, and right. um, interviewed guy. for the job, got the job, and I've now been doing this for four years, uh, serving at Souderton High School as athletic director. Um, that's awesome. And you're still running the camps too, right? Yeah, so that's the blessing is just, you know, I think I'm the only athletic director in our conference that, that's a 10-month employee. And um, <laughs> it's, I'm really lucky to be able to, to do, uh, you know, this work, which I really love. I love being an athletic director. I love working with student athletes and coaches and doing leadership development and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's just a wonderful place to work. But I really, I love the camps too. So, um, you know, once – the seasons are done in the spring and, you know, we close everything up and graduation hits. And then I jump right into, you know, uh, nine weeks of, of basketball camp and I run that yeah, right up until football. So, yeah. So I see a lot of your like LinkedIn posts and whatnot. I mean, is your goal here to like, obviously build your fo- your camp following or is that just like something you're just doing in your off time kind of thing? Yeah. So as far as the social media piece goes, you know, I think, with anything in business, you're just never going to arrive. Like you're never going to get to a point where it's perfected. And, you know, I'm constantly under construction when it comes to the social media. I want, I want to do more. You know, I just spent three hours in the gym last night with a videographer, um, you know, putting together video tutorials and things like that. Um, Cause as you know, like social media is time and, you know, we're basically buying time and we're buying attention of the audience. Um, so, the at the core, my social media presence with Facebook, Twitter. Hey, did that, I lose you? Yeah, you lost me. Sorry, you said you were in the in the gym three hours last night. Yeah, so I was in the gym for three hours last night uh, with a videographer going over all different drills and skills Wait. for tutorials for social media. Um, I love doing that. Like I could have been there till twelve o'clock. We went from six to nine. I could have been there till twelve. <laughs> I just love doing those kind of things, and I think at the core. When it comes to the social media, um, I'm not doing it to get more campers. I'm doing it to provide a service. Right. And the collateral benefit of that is that I will get more campers. I will get more exposure. Um, but just trying to give more than I'm getting, and I do think that's going to gonna pay off in the long run. Um, it is time-consuming, you know. And like I said before, with social media, you're, you're just – you're vying for attention and you're vying for time, but it takes a lot of time too. Mm-hmm. Um, so trying to trying to craft that into my everyday, like I try to post something every single day that deals with motivation, sports, the process, um, you know, in order to, uh, you know, to just try to add value to to our campers, to our players, to parents or to whoever. Yeah, for sure. So, so yeah. camping is definitely the long, the long term here. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I don't know what that looks like. And, and a lot of people ask me that. And, you know, when we started back in 2004, mm-hmm. I didn't have, I never thought we would have 1800 campers and, you know, I would be making a living off of it. Right. Um, You know, it was just, uh, and still to this day, when people say, what's your five-year plan, what's your 10-year plan? I don't know. (laughs) Um, I know I want to grow it. I know I want to get into more locations, but I also know there's a diminishing margin of return when you do scale something. Um, Like the most scalability that we've done so far is two weeks out of the summer, I run two camps at the same time. Mm. Um, so they're 15 minutes apart. So we run the one camp from eight to two and I run the other camp from nine to three. So I open up the one camp, you know, I'm there at six 30 and I stay till eight 45. And then I drive down the road, open up the other camp, stay there for a couple hours, <laughs> drive back, close that, you know, so, wow, uh, that's crazy. It's, yeah, it's nuts. And it's, you know, as you know, as an entrepreneur, yeah. like you get to a certain point where you have to scale, um, but it's really hard to multiply yourself. Yeah, um, for sure. Cause there's only one of you. 
You got it. And, you know, I'm blessed with, with some awesome staff members. There's guys that have been with us for 10, 12 years um, that I trust and they understand our brand and they understand our programming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but what does that look like to get another location out at the main line or right. Delaware County? Like I would, that would be really cool. And that would be one way to scale it and make turn this thing into something even bigger. So, so you have, obviously that's a roadblock scaling um, for your camp. Uh, but to go back to your career, you know, I'd love to kind of figure out some roadblocks you face to kind of, you know, go overseas and, and make it over that way. Cause I like, you know, kudos to you, man. I mean, I tried to do it. I couldn't do it. Um, but you were able to have a very successful career over there four years. And I, I would love to kind of hear how you, uh, w- were able to do that. Yeah. You know, and, and something that we work with all the time with our student athletes is that failure is going to be. Um, a prerequisite for success. And as you know, the one thing about sports is that the one guarantee is that you are going to fail. You know, you could have a great shot. You could work at your shot every single day and you could have a day where you go one for 10. Yeah. If you shoot 40% in a game from three, you're a very good shooter. That means you're missing 60% of the time. Yeah. Um, So really understanding that failure, embracing that failure and learning from that failure, I think is what separates the good players from the great players and the good entrepreneurs from the great entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I had a ton of failure in college, um, you know, where, uh, even my freshman year, a lot of people don't know this. I played at Dickinson College. I started out at Dickinson College, and I loved the school and the environment. The basketball scene wasn't in a good place at that time. Um, you know, I would start some games, um, and then I'd play a lot and play really well. And then there was times where I played on a JV Division three basketball team in freshman, you know, my freshman year. Wow. Um, yeah, you, you know what that level looks like. I mean, do you even know? did you even know there was JV D3? No. <laughs> yeah, there's like four teams in the country that had it. Dickinson had it when I was a freshman. Wow. So that was really hard. You know, I went from being an all-Catholic in the Catholic League of LaSalle High School to being like, holy cow, this is unbelievable. Right. Um, so I transferred uh, the next year, and I went to our sinus college, which is in the same division as Dickinson. So mm-hmm. Centennial Conference, good brand of basketball. Oh, yeah. Um, and – you know, I scored 15 a game, all conference my sophomore year. Then I jumped to 20 a game. And then my senior year, I led the country in scoring at 32 a game, was All-American, you know, had a great career. And I look back and, you know, I don't know if I would have had that if I didn't have that failure, you know, as, mm. as a freshman. And, uh, you know, my parents were always there for me. They never questioned. My dad would drive to Johns Hopkins to watch me play three minutes as a freshman. Wow. Uh, and he would, wow. after the game, he would never say, you should have been playing. You should have been shooting. You should be, he never said that, you know, if what he, he said that, he would just say, keep working, keep fighting. Mm. Like, what are you doing? That's not, you're doing something in practice. That's not allowing you to play in the game. It was always like that. And so many parents today will buffer the failure for their kids. Yep. And, you know, they won't allow them to experience the failure. If yeah. I was not able to experience that failure, I wouldn't have worked as hard, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you gotta uh, you gotta fight adversity, man. I, I I was just telling a buddy of mine that was just on the podcast the other day, like if if you hit a roadblock in life, I look at it as it's always going to be some sort of learning lesson, you know, for you to kind of fight through and get over, and then learn from that from that situation. If you're just going to back down from a roadblock, then you're not really growing as a human being, you know. Yeah, absolutely, and and it's so true, and you really have to practice that because. Mm-hmm. If you can create that as a habit, like once you hit the roadblock or once there's negativity or once there's like failure or disappointment in a deal or whatever it might be, if you build in the habit of looking at it as a way to 
figure out a solution. Yep. It just makes life a lot better. Like we're going to be, I'm faced with disappointment every single day in my day job. And I try to practice like, instead of being upset about it, like automatically, you know, be 90% solutions. Life right. is 10% what happens to you, 90% solutions, you know? Correct. Correct. Yeah, man. So, so, so for 2019, do you have any like goals this year that you're, you're, you're looking to hit? I don't know if it's with your camp, with your job, whatever it may be. Yeah. So, you know, I'm scared to death of, uh, of doing the same thing uh, that I did last year, you know, from a professional standpoint, as far as athletic director work, you know, if I'm still living off of the same initiatives that we did last year from a leadership development standpoint or from a different club that I started or, you know, from, you know, the, the value that I'm trying to give to my coaches, if I'm doing the same thing, it just scares me to death. Right. And it's the same thing with the camp. Like if we, hard to do that again like in all reality if we have 1800 kids again i'm going to be jumping up and down but there <laughs> is going to be a part of me that's like outdo myself from last year you know what i mean right um, so those are my goals are just to you know if i you know, i have a number 2000 if i get 2000 kids um i'm going to be i'm going to be happy but as soon as like august 1 hits and i'm done the camp season like i'll think about that number 2000 for a day and then august 2nd comes I'm already on to like, I got to get to 2200 next year. Yeah. Next um, year. Right. That's the problem with the goals with me is that it's, and, and this is a, this is like a personal issue. Um, I just never really satisfied and, you know, life flies by and, and my wife says this a lot and we talk about it. Like it flies by so quickly um, that I do would like to take a step back and enjoy some of the stuff and some of the, you know, the goals that we've reached as a program, right. but it's something I'm, I struggle with. Yeah, man, I, I'm I'm with you on that though. It's like, you know, I I uh, my girlfriend tells me the same thing. It's like, you know, you you don't enjoy the moment sometimes because like you hit something and then you want to move on to the next big thing or the next goal. Um, and I was reading this quote that Steve Jobs was actually the same way. Like he built the iPhone, but then he was already on to the next thought of like what's the next big or hottest thing that's gonna happen. And I think like just as an entrepreneur someone that just um loves greatness i just think that you know it's a strength that it's an actually strength in my opinion uh that you have that because it's gonna always push you you know to continue to strive for that greatness or that next goal and maybe sure. you'll get to a point where you're finally happy at where your your camp is at you know but i think right now i don't think you're fully satisfied which is why you know you keep hitting those goals trying yeah. to hit those new goals you know yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Well, what are you what are you trying to how are you going to get those 2000 kids, those 200 extra? Yeah, so we've been and as far as other goals go, like one of my main goals is just being more present with my family and being more present oh, with yeah, my kids sure. and my wife and it just I just can't believe that, you know, my daughter's going to be in first grade next year, you know, That's just insane. just and, <laughs> and trying to have yeah, just trying to have uh the wherewithal to to put the phone away and just like you know, when I get home at six or five or whatever it might be, just to lock in with the family. Um, right. That is just a, that is a goal that I work on every single day and that I don't live up to often. But it's something that I'm definitely working on as far as hitting the, the you know, the, the camp goal. Um, the model that we've used uh, from a mar best marketing is the, the, the eight weeks of camp, the nine weeks of camp. And uh, our coaches. Um, did I lose you? No, you're good. Okay. Um, I say that to our coaches, you know, that if we deliver on these five days, like 
any kind of marketing doesn't matter. Like you, you, you provide a great experience for a kid and they leave saying, I learned this, this, and this, and I had a great time. That's the best marketing we can do. Yeah. The second thing when, from a marketing standpoint, in order for us to, to grow is serving as much as I can, you know, during the months of, you know, November to April. So I do a ton of free training, a ton of free lessons, a ton of free clinics, so when I do those free clinics, I'm forging relationships with those kids and I'm forging relationships with the coaches so that when it comes time to, you know, trying to market actual market for the camp coaches, you know, we have that relationship and they help me uh, get the word out to parents and players. Uh, so our marketing has always been a service model. Like how much can I give to the local community and the local teams that if you give me an hour with 20 kids or 30 kids, if by the end of that hour, 25 of the 30 don't want to go to the camp, then I don't deserve to have those kids in my camp anyway. Exactly. Yeah. So it's all so, word of mouth. You got it. You got it. It's all yeah. word of mouth. You got That's it. That's awesome, man. Well, look, I, if there's anything I can do to help, just let me know. Um, I, we're running on like 20 minutes. I usually wrap it up around here. I usually let you kind of just give any sort of feedback to anyone that is looking to go on any type of journey. Uh, you know, that, that might be scared to, um, but more importantly, where people can find you and get in contact with you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, thanks for having me on here. This, I could talk about this stuff all day. It's <laughs> lots of fun. It's, uh, so you know, fun. The one thing this is that you just, like I said before, you're never going to arrive. We're constantly uh, striving to get better. And like we talked about today, you know, if you're looking to get into uh, whatever you love to do, whatever your passion is, you know, it, it's it's going to be a lot of work and there's going to be a lot of failure along the way. But, you know, if there wasn't the failure and the disappointment when you succeed, it wouldn't feel as good. You know, if it was yeah, easy, man. everybody would be doing it. Um, exactly. So that's kind of my advice, uh, you know, for people when it comes to that stuff. And um, and as far as catching up with us, we have a website, everylevelbasketball.com. Instagram at every level b-ball, um, which we're going to be more active on after last night, uh, capturing a bunch of footage and uh, Facebook. I'm just Dennis Stanton. So sweet. All right. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to edit this up and then send it to you. You can do whatever you want with it, but, um, I really appreciate you just coming on here and giving your two cents, man. You got it, man. And keep up the good work. I mean, I, I read your blog posts. I listen to this stuff. It's just, you know, it's great content. It's great stuff. I appreciate it, man. Uh, let me know if I can do anything to help you out, all right? Sounds good. Have a good one, man. All right, see you, brother. I want to thank Dennis again for coming on the show and sharing his journey and for giving some amazing insight to all our listeners. Uh, please just go check him out if you have a son or if you are someone or a daughter or someone that is very you know, interested and passionate about basketball and you're in high school and you want to get better, highly suggest reaching out to Dennis. He has amazing um, training skills and he runs an amazing camp. And of course, he also has a ton of experience as well. And it's someone you definitely want to learn from. So again, can't thank him enough for having him on the show and and for uh, my buddy Chris for supplying the beats for the show. You can find Chris on Instagram at Elevate Higher, E-L-E-V, the number eight and then higher. And uh, I will be in touch with you guys soon. Going to have another episode here with another one of my buddies who is starting his own company, his own juice company. And he's, he's really starting to kill it. So until then, I'll talk to you guys soon.